This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Wednesday, October 12th, 2022. I am Dave Biddle. I'm very happy to be joined by Matt Baxendale. Bax, you're a big hockey fan. You're like my uh, old school Columbus chill shirt here. I should be wearing nice. a Blue Jackets shirt, I know. I just Blue Jackets opening night tonight, but they're on the road. I got my chill shirt on, but uh, you're a huge hockey guy. But let's get into Ohio State football. There's a ton to talk about. It is the off week for the Buckeyes. It's not the off week for us. Um a lot of stuff yesterday. I tell you what, I mean, it was a robust day for the media yesterday. We had a chance to talk to Ryan Day, Jim Knowles, Justin Fry, and Larry Johnson. So that was really cool. Um, let's get into the – I think the main topic is they're hoping to get um, a decent amount of injured guys back for the Iowa game. Jackson Smith and Jigba, of course, is the the main one there. Uh, maybe Jordan Hancock. Um, and then Mayan, I, Mayan Williams, I, we were told that was minor anyway. It sounds like he'll be back for Iowa, but – JSN's the one I want you to focus on. What what do you what do you think they should do? Even if he's medically clear, do you want him to see him knock the rust off against Iowa, or would you prefer they just play it safe since it's a hammy and wait till Penn State? Wait till Penn State. That's where I'm at on this because if he has one more tweak, you don't know if that could take away the rest of his season. We need the guy for Penn State. We need the guy for Michigan. We need the guy for Beyond. That's what we need him for right now. And right now, to be quite frank. Uh, if you look at Marvin Harrison Jr.'s numbers, they're the same, virtually the same numbers through six games as Jordan Addison's was last year when he won the Bolitnikoff at Pitt. So it's not like we're having trouble completing passes right now. So, yes, Jackson Smith and Jig was the best receiver in the country, but we don't bring back the super weapon until we know the super weapon is firing correctly. And at this point, I, I am treating it with beyond kid gloves. If there's even a wince on his face over the previous week leading up to Iowa, don't put him on the field. Don't put him on the field. Save him for Penn State. Here's the reality is that, you know, with Iowa, Ohio State's probably going to beat them no matter what you have, whether it's JSN or not receiver. So hopefully, hopefully JSN's back for the Penn State game. I don't want to see him before that. It just doesn't make any sense. And I know, I think Ryan Day knows that too. It also gives them a chance, you know, as I said, hopefully Jordan Hancock can come back. Again, I I, I wouldn't mind holding him out till Penn State. I mean, we can make all the Iowa offense jokes we want, but seriously, like their offense is terrible. I mean, but then again, maybe you feel like you need to knock the rust off of Hancock. Yes. We'll see what happens there. It also gives the guys that have been on a pitch count backs um, this week off. It's it's great for guys like Michael Hall Jr. Who's been on a pitch count. 
How about him? He played seven snaps, had two and a half sacks. That might be the best production I've ever seen. And it was that was the plan going in. He could have played more, they said. But uh, why not just put him in there and passing down and see if he can be uh, disruptive? He can be disruptive. He has four and a half sacks on the season now. I don't think I've ever seen that in football. Seven plays, two and a half sacks. Unless we're talking about like mop-up duty time. You know, when the guy's in there, like when the game's on the line, they just are picking and choosing when to put him in there. Seven snaps, two and a half sacks. It's ridiculous. So Cam Brown, guys like that that have been on, on pitch counts, it gives them a chance to get healthy. And we've already had a commenter about this. I'm going to get your thoughts on this because um, we have a lot of people, I think, feel this way because of maybe what happened with Nick Bosa a few years ago. A lot of people are saying, like Steven on YouTube backs, that JSN might not take another snap at Ohio State. Now, initially, that is what I heard and that was a concern. But then I heard from multiple sources that, no, that's not what's going to happen. He will return. Um, is that a concern of yours that Jackson won't come back? That'll just get ready for the draft. I said that right when the injury happened, that there's a real chance that if this lingers at all, he's not going to play. And the reality is, what's the worst case that happens for him if he doesn't play this year? He gets drafted 10th? I mean, the truth is that the kid, he watched what happened with LSU, right? And when you have a top receiver sit out a whole year because Joe Burrow's not there to throw to him, and then the guy goes in the top 10. It doesn't really matter, right? So that was my biggest concern. That was my biggest concern after that injury happened was is if this is remotely impactful, there may, there's going to be people in his ears immediately to shut it down and protect that generational wealth that's coming his way. I don't think that's what he wants to do, but I can guarantee you if he comes back too early and he tweaks it again, that's going to be exactly what people are telling him to do, and he may be more prone to listen to it this time. And you have to remember, JSN's big brother is like a AAA baseball player, right? He knows the the way the pro game works and how difficult it is, right? And the truth is, is that this kid, if you know, if he's if he's hurt again, if he if he tweaks that hammy too early again, there's going to be a lot of very smart people looking at him, going, you know, how much money's on the line here. I don't care if it's the playoffs against Alabama; you don't need to play. That's just a very real fear. And in an, in an era where there's so much money in the sport, it's not for like the love of the game here we're talking about. I think JSN desperately wants the team to be the uh, to be this team, right, uh, in the field. He wants desperately wants to go out and win a natty. He desperately wants to make up for Ann Arbor last year. But there's a certain point where money talks, and that's a concern. So don't rush him back until he is fully healthy because we need him to come back. We need him to come back healthy. Otherwise, yes, we're going to barely see him play if he gets another hammy tweak. I agree with you 100%. Um, now, obviously, the biggest concern, Ryan Day talked about this. And then Jim Knowles talked about this as well. Now, first of all, this defense overall is playing great. Number seven total defense in the country. Absolutely love it. Now, obviously, they haven't been playing, you know, the best offenses in the world. Um, but um, it's just going to go up with it. That ranking will go up after they play Iowa, you would have to think. But number seven total defense in the country. But obviously, the one concern is 50-50 balls with the corners and just corner play in general. Um can they get that correct? Are you confident this is something that they can get fixed? Or do you think this is going to be something that um, lingers when they play teams that can actually throw the football? It's going to linger. That's what happens when you only have six scholarship cornerbacks and half of them are hurt all the time. Uh, the reality is, is that what we were hoping would happen this year at the position is that Denzel Burke would continue to develop. Like we thought the, he, we thought he was on the Denzel Ward track, right? Where he only got better. And, you know, this is just normal that sometimes a guy struggles in the second season. But 
Denzel Burke has not been that lockdown corner on the other side. Uh, Cam Brown has been in and out of the lineup with injuries. And then after that, we're down to freshmen. That's just the reality. Hancock was supposed to be our number three cornerback coming through camp and everything. We haven't seen him play a snap yet. So, you know, everybody's going to eventually get better at it, right? That's just part of playing the sport. But at the end of the day, we haven't seen anything that makes us believe it's going to change for the better this season. I, I haven't seen magically Burt get better. I haven't seen, you know, these young guys do anything more than kind of take their lumps and play well when given the opportunity. But the, what, we, what our concerns with corner are, they're going to be there for a while. The reality is I just don't know who we're going to play. That's going to really be able to take major advantage of it. Uh, even through the big 10 season. I mean, maybe Maryland, Penn State doesn't pass the ball great. I mean, Sean Clifford's not going to pick you apart. Our rivals to the north, they're okay throwing the ball, but they like to pound the football. That's their number one gig. And who out west is going to throw the ball so much? Maybe Purdue. That's the one team that throws the ball reasonably well. I mean, Minnesota doesn't really pass it a ton. You know, I, Illinois, who's ranked in the top 25 somehow, and through when we go through potential Big Ten championship opponents, none of them are air raid, right? It wouldn't be till a playoffs environment where you potentially have to run into a Bryce Young that you get nervous about it. Yeah, Michigan has no downfield passing game. I've been talking about it. You know, I talked about it on the postgame show, um, you know, after the Michigan State game, because I obviously watched Michigan play Indiana that game. I talked about it on Monday's podcast. They're dink and dunk, dink and dunk, dink and dunk. J.J. Yeah. McCarthy. Now, maybe, because he's so new into his starting career, maybe he'll develop that. But right now, they have no downfield passing game at all, the Michigan Wolverines, and I'm here for it. Um, speaking of quarterbacks, speaking of second-year quarterbacks, um, Ryan Day was asked the question that, for some reason, uh, spurned like a 20-page thread on Bucknuts about Kyle McCord throwing the ball in games where an Ohio State has the game in hand, and it's that balance of you want to get your backup quarterback and probably the starting quarterback next year some reps actually throwing the football um, and not just handing off. And McCord did have two passes, but – you know, get him maybe, you know, 10 passes if you can. Mm-hmm. And the balance, the balance of doing that versus not wanting to run up the score against a coach that you actually like and respect in Mel Tucker. If this was uh, Mike Loxley, who I know Ryan Day doesn't like, or if this was a, a, another coach who we know up north, um, uh, another coach in the state uh, that Mel Tucker coaches in, maybe a different story, Bax. But um, where do you come down on that? And where do you come down? What did you think of Ryan Day's answer? Because he basically just held – he's like, listen – I'm not going to change. I, I I get what what you're saying, and I, I do believe game reps are very very important. But once and he's like, if it's the end of the third quarter, early fourth quarter, keep playing. But once the game, he basically said, once it's completely out of hand in the fourth quarter, he's going to respect the game and he's going to call the dogs off. What do you think about that whole situation? A lot to unpack there. I think it's a selective dog calling off, like you referenced. Uh, the fact that he likes Mel Tucker is the reason that wasn't sixty something points. Because McCord wants to throw the ball all over the field. If you ask these kids what they're doing, they go out and they want to bomb the ball, right? That simple. And those kids want to get better. That simple. I think it was up to the kids. They just keep playing ball. But I do think Ryan Day has to balance it a little bit. I don't buy this respect the game thing that much, right? They're they're on scholarship too. You're lining up to play the ball, the, the football for fourth quarter, right? It, it's the same game as it is the first snap or the last snap before like a kneel down situation. Right. So to me, that's, that rings a little hollow, but I understand that that's the mentality that the coaches have. The bigger thing for me is, is that if I'm Ryan day and my team's banged up and we're going into a bye week is it really worth pushing it when we want to just try to get the clock moving as much as possible to get your team healthy. 
that would have been the easiest answer to me. And I think that's as, as much as it is the, the two honest answers to it are one, he likes Mel Tucker and it won't embarrass him too bad when Michigan state's having a rough year. And two, Hey, let's just get this thing over with. I don't want to risk getting anybody hurt. Shame on us for a thousand years. If somebody gets injured in the fourth quarter on a bomb downfield and then they're out for the season. Right. I think that that's a real thought on it, but yeah, there's going to be some of these games. And here's the other thing. Ryan Day was around. Remember when Urban was trying to go for 70 that one year against Michigan? And one of our offensive linemen. Who yeah. was the offensive lineman that got hurt there in, like, the last drive? And that's when Urban started. Oh, yeah. Him. It, it was um, Demetrius Knox. Yep, Demetrius Knox. He that's got hurt. Right. And he's out. Yeah. And that was, like, the football god saying, that's enough. Right? And, you know, I think Ryan Day learned a little bit of a, 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 a lesson there. You know, cautionary tale, if you will. Because Urban wanted 70 in that game. We all knew Urban wanted 70 in that game. And Ryan Day was his offensive coordinator that year, if memory serves. And, um, you know, the reality is when OSU kept their foot on the gas, um, we lost somebody to injury. So I don't think he wants to see that happen. I think that more than anything is the reason he held back. And yeah, and that's a good point. And people might say, well, wait, that's keeping the starters in. What about the backups are in with Kyle McCord? But you don't want to get Kyle McCord hurt either. You know, no. in a game like that, like he's your backup quarterback, and yeah, Devin Allen Hayden suddenly uh, somebody we care don't care about getting injured. We need him too. Yeah, you know? and, and they're Devin all one injury away from being extremely important. Devin Brown is a luxury as a number three, but McCord's the number two for a reason. And is a year older, has a start under his belt from last year. Um, so God forbid if something would happen to CJ, um, got to make sure Kyle McCord's healthy too. It's not just the starters. Um, all right, Teron Vincent. I had a chance to ask Larry Johnson about this yesterday. What's different about Teron Vincent? Because Bax, he comes in as the number one D tackle in the country. And finally now as a fifth-year senior, I mean, he's playing like it. I'm not saying he's the best defensive tackle in the country. That's Michael Hall Jr. But, no, I'm serious. But he's playing at that level where, like, we're like, man, was he overrated? Or is it, was it all injuries? And Larry Johnson said it was a combination of things. Why not? Everything's coming together for him injuries was the reason that he was held back mostly but now he's in the best shape of his life um knows the defense inside and out has bought in um but made a big deal about how what great shape he's in and just the toughness he's playing with i love seeing that out of teron vincent because at one point i was just hoping that he'd be a solid player he's definitely playing he's not playing at an all-american level don't get me wrong but he's playing better than solid i'm mm-hmm. here for it Max. yeah he's been a plus this year and i think any team that is worth its salt when it comes to winning championships has a couple senior level players that maybe perform better than anticipated coming into the year. The reference I always like to make is Curtis Grant with the 2014 team, mm-hmm. right? He's another guy that for a couple of years, everybody was complaining about wondering what number happened. Number one linebacker in the country. I love that. That's just like Teron Vincent, number one D tackle in the country. Go ahead, yep. sir. Great comparison. Yep. And by the way, the other comparison is there's a really, really good young player named Raquan McMillan trying to take some of his playing time that year. And he stepped up and, and battled it out to play a fair amount that season. Curtis Grant was a great player for the Bucks that year after a career of struggles. It's kind of been like that for Tron Vincent, too. He had a career of struggles and then all of a sudden, boom, he's having a, a really strong year. And some of the young, young pups are pushing him. But it, special seasons require some people to take steps that maybe they – delayed or hadn't yet taken right Tron Vincent's the kind of senior leadership on the D line that we really didn't have last year and we need that kind of leadership and the way he's performing is a really nice added bonus 
because that's a position where coming into the season, we wouldn't, we weren't talking about Tron Vincent. We weren't talking about Michael Hall. We were hoping Tyreek Williams could get the job done and then we'd find something somewhere else that was okay. Now we have a lot of players that can play well in that line. And guess what? Whenever your, your, your veterans are the ones that lead the way, the best leadership you can have comes from the players. So Vincent's a, quietly a very important player to that defense, and I don't think enough people are talking about him. Let's look at the other line. I mean, we got a chance to speak with Justin Fryer, like I said. I'm telling you, man, you can just tell certain guys are future head coaches. This guy's a future head coach. Just the way he carries himself, just the way he ta- – he, he, there's no doubt in my mind Justin Fryer is going to be a future P5 head coach. He better not be one and done, though, Jeff Halfley style. I don't think he will be. I don't think he will be. I don't think any of these guys will be one and done. I don't either. I think Ryan probably talked to him about that. Now, if a certain – Jeff Halfley, I got to know him a little bit. He didn't expect to be one and done either, but – Kind of Boston College gave him a, an offer he couldn't refuse, so to speak. But Justin Fry in this offensive line, I'm so impressed with Justin Fry. Now, this offensive line isn't perfect. They've had their moments where they, you know, you know, really like, come on, what's going on there? But overall, this is the, he's been a huge improvement over Stadrawa and uh, love what I'm seeing out of this offensive line. Yeah, it's been a real step in the right direction. And you're right. Some of these guys, you, you can just tell they sort of have it, right? And Fry was one of those guys from the start where you're like, yeah, he has it. That guy, that guy has – he'll be a head coach somewhere in the future. Hopefully he um, is a little pickier um, and waits for his opportunity, unlike Halfley. I know Halfley loved Boston College, and there was the whole emotional draw there. But if you look at what's going on there for BC, it might have been smart for Halfley to wait for a better job to open up for another year or two. Uh, that'll be a bit of a cautionary tale, by the way, for any of these assistants that may have offers after this year, most likely Knowles. Um you know, that's where Ryan Day goes, look, you can take this okay school's offer and go and get beat up like half is up there at Boston College. Or you could wait a year or two and get a better offer at a better school. You're in a better position to win. But, yeah, the O-line, we're getting, I'm getting off topic here. Um, the O-line has definitely been improved this year. And, you know, we had this syndrome for a couple of years where we kept trying to convince ourselves in the summer that this year will be the best offensive line yet. This year will be the best offensive line yet. This year. And then we saw last year where it was like, well, we're starting four tackles. And it didn't work so well. Well, guess what happened? They, they went back to basics. You know, the, the the offensive line has been – they played with an attitude this year. And that's been really good to see. And it also helps when you have some serious raw talent at the tackle positions between Johnson and Jones. I mean, the, the Paris and Thanos are – I, I would be very hard-pressed to believe there's a better set of tackles in the country right now than those two. And the interior has been nothing if not rock solid. This group just came together. I think they needed a new voice, and that coaching change for Fry was a great decision. And, you know, the truth is even the backups have looked pretty reasonable when they got in, and that was something we were worried about in August too. A couple more, I'll get you out of here. Penn State at Michigan. Oh, yeah, baby. I can't wait for this. Are you a Nittany Lion fan this week? Because I am. It's the one time all year I'm a Nittany Lion fan. Um, hey, most of my family's originally from uh, Altoona, Pennsylvania. I mean, I, I was born and raised in Ohio. Um, but, um, you know, so – but one time a year I'm a Penn State fan, and that's when they play Michigan. Um, who do you think is going to win this game? Well, I have two teams, the Buckeyes and whoever plays Michigan. Whoever's playing Michigan. <laughs> Let's go. Yay, yeah. Nits, or whatever they say over there. Meow. Um, but we are at whatever. It was a three-yard game. Calm down with it. They, they play that after. They, 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 they might, it yeah. might be like 
second and six, and they get three yards, and that that stupid wow. Nicky Lyon is it, yeah, wow. yeah. All right, punt return right. three yards. We love it. We love it this week. Although it's at Michigan, but you know what I mean. All right, go I ahead. Mean, who who who's gonna win this game? I'm picking Penn State. You know why? Michigan hasn't played anybody with a pulse. Like Penn State went to Auburn and won down there. And I know Auburn's not great, but that's that's a good road win. Like Penn State is a solid physical team. And you know, I'm not a Sean Clifford fan. I've I've never been a Sean Clifford fan. I don't think he's ever gonna be a quarterback they win a championship with. But if JJ McCarthy is gonna be captain checkdown for our rivals up north, then <laughs> Clifford's good enough to beat them. Um this has uh this has the Iowa and uh like northern Iowa score written all over it, like a thirteen to nine kind of game, right? Where both defenses will probably dominate. I, I, I think Penn State's my pick in this one, but you know, this is the the next two best teams in the conference in a year where the Big Ten's others are all kind of in a miasma of not mediocre but not good right now. These are the three teams that are clearly above everybody else and you know, we're going to know who our number one competitor is for the division very quickly um, on Saturday. And I, I think it's going to be Penn State this time around. I really do. All right. Who are your – by the way, I agree with you. I think Penn State's going to win, but it's going to be really close. Um, who are your four college football playoff teams? Not like right now, but like who do you think is going to make – who are the four teams that are going to make the CFP, backs? Oh, Ohio State, who hopefully will be the number one seed because I think there's a gap between two and three and one – or between one, two, three, and then number four. Um, I think that Bama and Georgia are both going to get in. Tennessee's having a nice year. Tennessee might even beat one of those two. But at the end of the day, there's going to be some SEC shenanigans to get two teams into the playoffs like there always is. So it's annoying as all get out, barring there being a complete mess out there or uh, one of both the Pac-12 and the Big 12 getting an undefeated team in, I think that's what's going to happen. Um, and then the fourth team right now, you want my humble opinion? I think it's going to be USC. I really do. Uh, over Clemson? Over Clemson. Clemson's going to drop a game somewhere. They're not great, right? right. And USC is going to have the benefit of the fact that UCLA is also undefeated and through the majority of the difficult part of their schedule, right? So – I think that USC and UCLA are going to end up being like a top 10 kind of matchup towards the end of the year. And that's going to get some marquee attention. And you have to remember the USC has, you know, they have some, some credibility right now with a legit former playoff coach taking their team over. So um, I, I think right now that you're probably looking at Ohio state, Alabama, Georgia, and USC, but I, I remain open to the option to have the SEC eat itself a little bit and allow somebody hilarious, like a TCU or something or a Kansas state or something to sneak in. But I, I think those are going to be the four, would be my guess. We're pretty close. I'm going to go with Clemson, but you're right. I mean, they're they they're not they're not that good. But I think they're I still think they're going to skate through somehow, barely escape, I should say, like they have against Wake Forest, like they did against NC State, even against our aforementioned friend Jeff Halfley in Boston College. That game is tied three three late in the first half. They, yeah. That game's tied three three late in the first half. They didn't even play well against Boston College, and they still jumped Michigan because Michigan's tied to 10 with Indiana at halftime. It was only up 17 to 10 going into the fourth quarter, and and Clemson still jumps Michigan. So I'll go with – I agree with yours, but I'll switch mostly, but I'll switch uh, Clemson in for uh, USC. As long as the – I'd rather play Clemson as we care about. than USC. USC can throw the ball. A better matchup for OSU would be Clemson, right, or Georgia. Well, 
<laughs> I, would love, I would love an Ohio State Clemson matchup again. Oh, I me would... too. Ohio State Clemson is the the number. I I am I am thoroughly convinced that no matter what, we will not get to avoid one of the two SEC teams in the first round. I just don't see it happening. If they're both in, they're not going to play them again, and we're going to be stuck with one of them. So this is just mm. the cynic in me. It's just the cynic in me. Right? Even though Ohio State probably should be the number one team right now. I don't understand. Like, look what's going on right now. I can't wait right. till the till the the committee starts making their picks because I want to see what they think. Because it's to me absolutely freaking absurd that Ohio State is not the number one team right now. We've watched both Georgia and Alabama scuttle through some narrow wins, and both of them probably should have a loss right now already. And meanwhile, Ohio State's just sitting at two because the other team's SEC or some crap. If Ohio State had struggled against Kent State, they would have dropped to like fifth. Yeah, Toledo. I'm not even joking when I say this. Toledo would beat Kent State by two touchdowns. Like Toledo is is markedly better than Kent State. And Missouri and, stinks. And, and you Missouri, know the other thing too, Dave. Look what yeah. you just mentioned. Michigan fell despite winning by three touchdowns because it was close at half. But the Southern School and Clemson didn't get that same benefit of the doubt, and they didn't have the excuse of one of their most beloved players of the last two decades and current coach collapsing on the sideline in the middle of the game. You think that might've affected Michigan a little bit? Like I hate standing up for those guys, but let's be real here. That was horse pucky dropping the, uh, the Wolverines behind Clemson because of that Indiana game. And by the way, Indiana is a wildly better team than Boston college. So at the end of the day, the, none of these current polls matter. Thank goodness. But let's see what the committee has to say. Because if, if, if when the committee makes their first rankings, what is it, in two weeks when the committee starts, Dave, something like that? If we come out and we, we, we blast Iowa and Ohio State's not number one, it's a joke. Because it's all it's been doing, I've been saying this since, since, since we beat Notre Dame, is it's setting it up that the two SEC teams won't play each other in the first round, and they're two of the three best teams. And it's not fair to Ohio State to have to play one SEC team one week and then, then the other week, even if they should, if, when they should be the number one team. We got hosed a couple years ago when LSU was the number one seed over Ohio State, when Ohio State should have been the one seed. And that was a year where there were three teams that were wildly better than everybody. But then because of the SEC bias, LSU got to go beat up on Oklahoma while we had to go play Clemson, who was a good team, and then the refs hosed us. Right? If Ohio State's the number one seed that year, they probably won the Natty, in my opinion. So, you know, it is what it is. But that's, this stuff matters. That's the blunt truth is this stuff matters. So, I'm going to make a little bit of noise about it because like Joel Klatt said, it's clear Ohio State should be the number one team. The only reason they're not is because of this whole ESSECPN bias right now. Ohio State's been the best team in the country so far. And if this keeps up, they need to be number one, period. That's right. Great stuff out of the people's champ, Matt Baxendale. You can catch his column on Bucknuts every Sunday. It is the bucket. Thank you to Bax. Thanks to all of you. We really appreciate it. I know you have a lot of choices. Really appreciate you guys making the Bucknuts Morning 5 part of your morning Monday through Friday. Uh, we also have our live post-game show uh, right after every Ohio State game. We won't have one this Saturday, but Patrick Murphy has his podcast, Buckeye Happy Hour, uh, every Friday around 5 o'clock. So we have a lot of podcasts here on Bucknuts, and uh, we really appreciate you guys uh, being part of it. Thanks again to Bax. Thanks to all of you. Hope everyone has a great rest of your day.
the wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the shed? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes now streaming. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with the Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. The subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply.